Are you isolating? I am isolating. I'm isolating. I also am going to apologize to Eric right now. I have like a whole new setup where I'm trying to like buffer the sound. And usually I put these pillows behind me. But today you have a cat there. There's a cat there instead. Cats aren't very good buffers, I don't think. No, this one is especially useless. God bless her. She's so dumb. (laughs) Oh, I know. It's okay. I mean, but I bet she's so happy that you're home all day. Honestly, she's like, they are both really happy I'm home all day. It's real wild. So, yeah, somebody's happy. Hey, silver linings for all the pets. Shout out to the pets out there. There was a great thread this week. Hold on. Where someone (laughs) took pictures of their pets posed like romance covers. It was so good. It was so good. It was so pure. And we are going to definitely link to it in show notes. And it it was one of those threads that like everybody got in on. So it just got like a real, it was amazing. I mean, I saw at least five with my covers. The best, the best one being um, Adriana Herrera (laughs) has a red, a long haired red dachshund. Who was posing on a step so she compared it to the cover of Daring in the Duke and perfect. it's perfect. Yeah, oh, actually the cat in question I took a picture of because it looked exactly like uh, the Maria Vale cover for Forever Wolf. It was just like her eyes. Yeah, it was perfect. like Forever Cat. Perfect. <laughs> you know what? Here's my new thing, you guys. I'm doing two things. I've committed to two things on Twitter. One is I'm trying to share like the softest it's content. Like soft served, down in Today or yesterday, last night at like one in the morning, I stumbled upon a thread made by a man whose dog howls along to the Law and Order theme song whenever it hears it. So pure. (laughs) And there's an Instagram account where there's a highlighted story and it's it's like a hundred videos of this dog howling to the Law and Order theme song. And it was freaking delightful and like i'm into it also writers if you are trying to write right now jen i'm sorry i need to have a quiet moment with my people i'm here for them and you um you guys it's real it's real hard out there right now um writing in writing in pandemic writing in the time of pandemic um and if you are struggling to do it just know a lot of us are with you. We are all struggling together and we will all get through it together. But also know, and I know Jen will agree with me, that like happily ever after is so important right now. And the work that we are doing is so important. And I know I sit at my desk every day and I'm like, I'm not doing anything valuable. Like Jenny McQuiston works at the CDC and my friend Amber is an epidemiologist. And, you know, my sister is like fighting the fight. And uh, I just write people kissing. But the truth is people kissing is valuable right now. People need happiness. Um, So every night at eight o'clock this week, I'm going to be online doing some writing sprints. If you want to join me on Twitter, eight o'clock Eastern. Um, and, and I'll just, you know, we can all be in this boat together. So welcome to Faded Mates, everyone. (laughs) I'm Sarah (laughs) McLean. And I'm Jen Prokop. And we're here to talk to you about uh, romance novels and how they're going to get us through times of struggle. And, oh, I do want to say this. We were not very smart last week, Jen. 
We weren't. We have a couple. Uh, there are a couple things. One, if you listen to last week's Devil's Bride episode, Honoria, fine. Annika, first of all, Honoria. I mean, we did say Honoria. It just wasn't clear in the text how it should have been pronounced. I defend. I'm. That is not why we were not smart. <laughs> we have a lot of other reasons. Um, but first things first. If you listened to it last week and it cut off at the end, like mid sentence, you can re-download the last ten minutes, the first file, the one that gets downloaded automatically to your phone at midnight because you're also loyal. Um, the first file was lost the last 10 minutes. You can re-download it and get the next file. Um, but also, we really should have told everybody there was a new Stephanie Lawrence Finster novel coming out this week. Um, which, truthfully, like, whatever. It's, I mean, we're all, we're all without a net right now, you guys. We're trying, Sarah. But there is. There is a new Finster novel out uh, last Thursday, last Wednesday, I think. Um... And so if you're into sinsters, Sarah, what's the title of this oh, book? I don't <laughs> fucking know. Hang on. I, Sarah's going to have to look it hang up. Hang on. I have it. <laughs> I have it. It's in this long ass text with you and Kate. Um, last night I didn't sleep and, and I expected you all to just wake up at 6 a.m. and talk to me. Well, and there we were. And there you were. I was just lying there waiting. I thought you just said that there was one. I didn't realize. I guess we could look it up on the Google. I got an email about it because, like I told everybody, I'm a big Stephanie Lawrence fan. And I got one of those, like, book bubs. Oh. Hey, if you guys aren't part of book bub, you should be. This is a really good time for you to become book bub members. Yeah, it's true. Um, we'll put links in the show notes to book bub. But basically, you get an email every day and it says, hey, here are downpriced books in the categories you like to read. And um, and that's really cool. And also, you can follow me on book bub. We'll link to my page. It's called The Inevitable Fall of Christopher Sinster. There you go. I was just... I was just I was just filling time <laughs> until I found it. Until somebody found it. Until the internet found it. <laughs> um, Sarah, I want to talk about our topic this week, which is going to be doctors and nurses and healthcare workers. And I want to say this part because I feel like I'm going to do it and cry. A friend of mine I went to high school with posted on Facebook. She's a doctor about like moving forward for her. And it was just really hard. Like, she was just basically like, I just want to leave my mark on the world. And I just was like, I just want to say thank you to everybody out there who's doing this work. It's just really. Yeah. Oh, save me from crying. Okay. So anyway, thank you to everybody. And so we thought, what's a topic we could do that would really, like, highlight, like, the work people do in this area? And um, healthcare workers and doctors and nurses have been a part of romance from the very beginning. I thought it might be really fun to talk about how in those real old categories, there were a whole lot of nurses, <laughs> right? Remember those like the old... The nurse doctor Mills and Boons oh, got my... me through So summers. many things, right? Yeah. I feel like I can picture so many covers with like the nurse in her white starched cap. Hello! <laughs> and so this has like been a really uh, interesting big part of romance for a really long time. 
um, in our history. And I feel like it's interesting. We're not going to really necessarily talk about how that's changed, um, but it is really interesting to consider like sort of the state of um, doctors and nurses. And I have a paramedic to talk about today and like the work they do in romance as caretakers for society and for each other. It's really interesting because like you said, doctors and nurses have really held court in romance from before romance was really an American genre, right? The Mills and Boone books that were English and Canadian. I mean, I don't even think Harlequin Medicals exist here. They do. They do. For sure you can get them, but I don't know if they're as American. I get what you're saying. I don't think we are their market. I don't think America is their market, but for sure those books were a huge piece of it. When I was a kid, my mom is, I i mean, you all know this, my mom is English and my dad is Italian. And whenever I say that, I mean, literally born and raised in England and Italy. Um, and so in the summers, my parents were very smart and they would ship us off to Europe uh, for the summers. And we would go either to my, my, either to Italy or to England and we would trade off. And in the summer, the off summers, the summers when we were going to England, I didn't have any cousins or anything. And my grandparents were it seemed like my grandparents were always in their 80s, like <laughs> my whole life. They were just 80. Um, and so I have no idea how old they were, but they lived in this retirement community on the southern coast of England in Devon called Budley Salterton, Ooh. which is the most English town name ever in the history of English town names. Um, and we looked this up on Wikipedia not long ago, and apparently uh, Budley Salterton has the delightful nickname of being, quote, the Lord's waiting room. <laughs> well, already then. So you can imagine the the median age of those people, of people in Budley Salterton was also in somewhere in their 80s, constant 80s. So there I was, you know, 11 years old or 12 years old with no hope of seeing another 12 year old. I mean, that was never going to happen. So I would take myself, but it was a really like lovely English town. And I would take myself down the high street to the library where they had these spinners and they were just filled with Mills and Boons. Yeah. And I read all those old doctor romances, um, which in those days, like early Mills and Boons, or not early, I guess, this would have been in the 80s, the 80s or early 90s, but like the heyday of Mills and Boons. Yeah, but like, yikes, the level of like, (laughs) I mean, just sexism and like kind of this, like the gender roles that are sort of established in these in these books are, you know. It's an interesting, I don't know, somebody, will. Uh, there is a big essay on Mills and Boone that, of course, I can't remember the name of the person who wrote it or or much about it, but I will, we'll find it and, and we'll put it in show notes. But, you know, Mills and Boone really has a completely different feel than the other category, the American category. It's very traditional. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to say like two things. One that was really interesting is Lit Hub is like where bad romance thing pieces go to die. And there was one this week that was like so just like wrong in every way. And a lot of people on Twitter, when I sort of talked about it, pointed out that it was someone who was British rather than American and that they have like a really different take on romance. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's it. 
I feel like American romance, they're definitely doctors and nurses, but it didn't seem to be like the bread and butter of category romance in the same way. I feel like in America, where you get those stories is TV. It's ER, it's Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. And then it's not about the sexism as much. But, you know, I feel like when I was growing up and hospital TV shows were where it was at in terms of like the big soapy dramas about doctors and nurses and patients and and all of that. It's definitely in romance, but it doesn't have quite the same flavor, I think, as those shows. So I read a, I've, I've, I've read a few Harlequin medicals for the Rita's. Um, and what's really interesting about them is they feel very like invariably there's sort of a very small town feel to these books. Um, and they're not really what and what ends up happening is like the hospital becomes the center of or the the doctor's sort of experience becomes the center of the story in the way that it happens with Grays and ER and like general hospital where the whole story is very wrapped up in like the ecosystem of the hospital. And so like even the secondary characters are all like longtime patients or like they're like the hospitals at the it's like a medical clinic that's attached to an old folks home or like. So what's happening is like they're really tightening the circle on these kind of um on, on the medical community, which is really interesting because, you know, we're talking today about the medical community. Um, and so I think that it's really I think when people really like harness this, the doctor nurse kind of in the in categories, often they're telling a small town with just kind of a unique spin on the small town. Right. I.e. they all work together. And when I talk about this, I'm thinking about people like Radcliffe. Now, Radcliffe was a surgeon in life, in real life. And she writes um, category length romances, contemporary romances, lesbian romances. And, you know, Radcliffe has this great, cool story about how, like, she couldn't get published in traditional because she wrote lesbian romances and all the big houses told her that, like, there was no market for it. And so she went off and, like, built her own printing press in her barn, like, and now she runs Bold Strokes Books, which is, you know, the I don't know if it's the largest, but certainly it's close to being, if it's not, it's the second largest lesbian uh, publisher, romance publisher. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking about the the most recent Radcliffe book I read was is called Passionate Rivals. And, um, you know, it's it's enemies to lover. It's like rival surgeon, rival doctors, rival surgeons. And the whole thing is set like during the in a hospital, like in a surgical ward with this sort of back and forth and the sort of stress of the world around them, kind of pushing them together and also upping the conflict. Um, So that's sort of one version of the doctor romance, Mm -hmm. I think. But interestingly, all the romances that I picked today, aside from Radcliffe, are romances where the the actual doctor, the, the hospital is not a part of the book. Oh, yeah, me too, actually. And I don't know why, I don't know if that's me personally or if it's just that, like I said, like Harlequin Medicals aren't very popular in the United, like we're not their core market. I don't know, but it feels to me like what we're, what you and I come to, what we want is a very different kind of experience when we're reading a medical, a medical book. Yeah, and it actually doesn't really surprise me because I think in some ways, As we know, I'm not super into, like, the job being more important than the character. 
So I'm really interested in these books where like being part of a being a medical professional is really part of like their identity rather than just a, like a place they go to work. And therefore, it's about caretaking. It's about in one book I'm going to talk about today about like kind of like really fundamentally believing like that doing what's right and helping people is what's primary and important as opposed to like the soapy sense that this is like a small town in the hospital. So, yeah, I think that kind of makes sense for me too, that it's more tied up in the kind of person they are than in like the work that they do. And I don't know in real life, I would imagine, you know, especially now, like we're really looking at people who are on the front lines, like taking their lives in their hands to take care of their patients and to take care of us. And there's lots of heartbreaking stories about what that means for their own families. And so, you know, it's, in time, regular times, being a doctor is a thing you do. And right now, uh, being a doctor is a way higher calling. And I think um, it's really interesting to see how that plays out in romance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's start. Where do you want to start? Let me start. So I'm going to talk about the book Jeremiah by Jace Ellis. And in this book, actually, um, Jeremiah is not a doctor. He's a paramedic. And I thought that was actually really interesting. Um, this is a male-male romance. It came out, I think, in January. So it's pretty recent. It's a Karina title. And um, it's really interesting in a lot of ways. I'm going to talk a little bit about the romance first, because that's obviously why we're here. But then I want to talk about like what I think is really interesting that's happening with the medical stuff in this book. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah is a, um, a a paramedic. He's been doing it, I think, it, like for a decade. He's like a 36-year-old black man, you know, lives by himself, still really close to his family. And one night he's coming up the elevator in his building and he sees these like three people, two of which are pretty drunk and one, uh, this other man who he's like instantly really attracted to. Like he's pretty, he thinks. And that is Colin. And they sort of interact a couple times in the elevator. Um, he actually helps Colin get his drunk friends into his apartment and they have this like uh like they keep running into each other they're really attracted to each other and um it's interesting Colin is like 29 and sort of kind of has lost his way lives with his parents still because he is um essentially like an administrative assistant at a law firm and he like thought he wanted to be a guidance counselor but it like never worked out and so it's really interesting because it's also about people who are really like tied to their families and then like you know, making a new relationship with each other. Um, Jeremiah is not out to his family because of homophobia in his, like, especially from his brother. And that's like a big struggle in the book that I thought was um, just like really, I don't know. It's really well done. It's a really great book. But anyway, here's the part that's really interesting about Jeremiah being a paramedic at the beginning of the book, his, um, paramedic his job his boss I don't know like his company is going to merge with another one and they get offered essentially like a buyout like you can take uh for every year that you've worked here we'll give you two weeks of vacation and you can like get out of here and he is actually kind of tempted by it he has an opportunity to maybe teach um like teach how to be a paramedic. And he thinks that might be like a better career path because obviously the stress and tension of being a paramedic is through the roof. Um, There's a really interesting scene though, probably midway through the book where he is called out to uh, for a kid at a, a, like a lacrosse practice at a fancy private school is having um, an allergic reaction. 
And when he gets there, he realizes pretty quickly that it was some sort of hazing. So this kid who is needed an EpiPen and is literally at death's door, something was going on with like another kid. So he calls the cops mm-hmm. and it's this really, honestly, I, I'm going to say it's like an amazing scene because what happens is he, he, his ability to like read the crowd and understand that there's something more going on here than just this kid having like a, and an, going into anaphylaxis. And then he basically gets in trouble with his bosses who are like, you're done right now. Like, we'll pay you your pension or whatever, but we want you out. Versus the response of the community who views him as a hero for understanding that this kid was being hazed. Mm. And it's just like reading it now, especially like the the ways in which for-profit healthcare make it so that doing the right thing is like the wrong thing. Mm. I don't know. I, I I will just say he and he does like end up, you know, going on teaching interviews or whatever. But I just thought this was like a really interesting look at the medical field. Like here's someone who is really great at his job, but doing the right thing was to his bosses the wrong thing because now it's bad publicity and you were on the news. And this other parent whose kid was the hazer is mad at us it was really, really fascinating. I was thinking a lot as, as I was prepping, like, what did doctors represent in romance? And I was thinking about how, especially in historicals, like, how do doctors, you know, when we put a doctor on the page, we're putting a hero on the page who has a level of superiority. The world treats doctors differently than they treat or medical professionals. I mean, the world teaches people teaches people who can save lives differently than it does treat other people. And back in the day, like a thousand years ago, when I was a baby author, and I had just finished my first series, I proposed sort of off the cuff to my editor a series about doctors, like Regency era doctors, <laughs> and she was like, "There is nothing sexy about a Regency era doctor." <laughs> And what's interesting is I think we, we've talked about um, the famous surgeon who was like six, seven and could amputate a leg in under, you know, 45 seconds. Like, so I would respectfully, I would say, are we sure there's nothing sexy about Regency <laughs> Era doctors? But probably not. But like, and that came to me because Lorraine Heath, who we all know that I love, she has the Scoundrels of St. James theory, uh, series where there is a doctor. One of them is a doctor and he never got his book, um, which is a great sadness to me. But also what's interesting about that is part of why I loved him so much was because he sort of had a he had a, he knew more about medicine than anybody at the time knew about medicine. Right. Like nobody wants a blood letter. Nobody wants a leech. You want somebody who's like, oh, if you mix like willow bark, which is basically aspirin with, you know, this other thing, you get, you know, whatever, this special tonic. And I understand the importance of washing everybody's fucking hands. Exactly. Exactly. You want somebody who's like, I, you know, some some people say that if you add alcohol to a wound, it'll help it heal better or like it'll stop sepsis. Yeah. Historical writers tend toward writing these doctors who are advanced in some way. And we've seen this in midwifery in in historicals. We've seen this in in like early days. You would see like Romany people on the page to kind of like 
exoticized medicine, like, oh, they have herbs and tinctures and tonics, and so they know. Um, and we did, of course, in our bodily autonomy episode, we talked about um, midw- midwives and others, like, being able to treat women's issues with these things. Oh, I want to shout out, uh, I, I it's important now to shout out Sophie <laughs> Jordan's next book, which is The Virgin and the Rogue. Um, which is an aphrodisiac book. And Sophie's going to come on and we won't talk too much about it now, but it's important because the heroine of that book um, is a chemist of sorts and she's working on it. Well, it's her sister. Yes, I'm sorry. The sister is a chemist. The heroine of the next, she's the heroine of the next book, but the, um, she's a chemist and her, and the heroine of the book has terrible cramps. And so they've like, this is like, this sister has created this thing for, um, you know, to ease cramps, really interesting ways that medicine gets used in historicals. Um, I myself have written a doctor who's like kind of supposed to be a mystery. He's in lots of my books. Um, and he definitely like the, his backstory is that he has been kicked out of the Royal College of Medicine because he believes in all these like crazy ideas like antibodies. <laughs> right. Um, but I want to talk about Eloisa James's When Beauty Tamed the Beast. So the story behind this goes that Eloisa James was in Italy for a year on sabbatical with her husband, who is Italian, and she just watched House <laughs> for like a year. And then she got so obsessed with Hugh Laurie's like representation of House, which is a modernization of Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Again, these sort of like larger than life heroes who see things that they're not supposed to see, who can read a crowd, who can read a room, who can like identify problems. Anyway, so she um, then apparently like bought all the scripts from House and read them all and then wrote a book, When Beauty Tamed the Beast, that is basically House, but set down. Yeah. You know, Hugh Laurie's character House, but set down in the Regency or in Georgian England. And the truth is that when you read this book, the hero is Hugh Laurie. Like, you can hear the voice of House in this hero. Um, but also, so, you know, he has the same kind of, he um, has, uh, he has had a, a wound to his leg. He's in pain all the time. He's dealing with his own pain mm-hmm. and also treating others' pain. And he's so brilliant that he transcends the time. Yeah. And no, and people both love and hate him. Um, for that. But there is a money scene, which is in all <laughs> of the scenes that I, all of the books that I picked today. And that is the scene, of course, where the heroine gets sick. You missed our sick I know, scene. it goes back to Here's sick bed chance. scenes. There is, a, there is a dark moment at the end of this book, which I think is Eloise's best dark moment in any of her books. And, and it is because he is a doctor and he cannot do it. Yeah, like, there is a time when the the saving is out of control, out of his control, and it's magnificent, you know. And I think there is there is power in that doctor, that kind of archetype where, and it is it's like when when done well, it's pure alpha, right? Because at some point, an alpha has to understand that there are certain things that are out of his control. There are limits to what can and can't be done. Have we talked about my brain surgeon on the podcast before? I feel like we have. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't I'm not gonna I won't get too deep into it. We'll put the thread in, in show notes. But uh my I had brain surgery in 2013, 2015, and um 
my surgeon was like <laughs> a master of the universe, right? Eric met him. We went to the, you know, the pre-surgery appointment and Eric came with me and I was really panicked about like, you know, brain surgery. And um, <laughs> and I had an aneurysm that had to be clipped. Like it was an unruptured aneurysm and everything's fine. Um, but he came into the room and he like talked to us for, you know, however long, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And Eric and then I at one point said to him, like, well, can you fix it? And he looked at me like I had kicked his dog or like insulted his mother. And he was like, of course I can fix it. And then he walked out of the room. And I never, I've never felt so calm in my whole life. I was like, oh, well, okay, I feel great. You make me feel very good about all this. And then he walked out of the room and Eric was like, that is the most arrogant person I've ever met in my whole life. (laughs) I've never met anybody like this. But it was basically because he was like, yeah, I can save your life. And then... Funny story is that like several months later, I was convinced that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, I called him in the, like the middle of the night. I called him like at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night and he called me back and I was like, I found this bump. And actually, I found the place where like they they installed the plate over my over my head. And I was like, there's a bump and it wasn't there. And he was like, it was there. And Sarah, <laughs> stop touching that. It's mine now. And I was like, (gasps) and my pants flew right (laughs) off my body. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Stop it. It is. (laughs) Well, that's it. I mean, I feel like I can be pretty agnostic about doctors. Like, I just want them to be competent. But my son's asthma doctor, when he was little, like, the feeling in my heart for this man, for Dr. Raul Wolf, you cannot even know. Okay, I was really on the fence about talking about this one because I feel like I talk about Sophie Jordan all the time, but um, and I just did. <laughs> I don't care because your comfort reads are your comfort reads. Yeah, it's dark times. And maybe I've talked about this book before. I don't know. The book is called All Chained Up. It is the first in her Devil's Rock series, which is a series I've really liked. I've definitely talked about one of them before. I do not think it was this one. In this series, the heroine is a woman named Briar, and she is a nurse. And she has a job, essentially, at the local, um, and it's a new job, um, at the local prison, penitentiary. And um, she meets a inmate named Knox, who is pretty close to getting out. And there's this chemistry between them, but she's like, this is not going to happen, you know, obviously. And um, I'm just going to be a professional and do my job. And we as readers think it's appropriate and it's fine. And what happens is Knox overhears some fellow inmates planning a jailbreak, which includes them essentially going out through the infirmary. And he knows that she is in danger. And she he like essentially gets himself hurt so that he can be in the infirmary when it goes down to protect her. And Sarah, I'm going to tell you, (laughs) it's like Sophie Jordan, like peeled back my fucking skull and gave me exactly what I wanted in this book. (laughs) Because that whole series is real, is pure id, man. I mean, if that is your kink, if like, if like, (laughs) If that is at all your kink, that whole series will work for you. I'm going to put myself in danger to protect you. Okay, great. That would be wonderful. Yeah, I mean, but that whole, that's the series that also has, like, the president's daughter on the run. Also great. Like, kidnapped by a gang (laughs) of, like, white supremacists where there's an embedded, like, bad guy. Like, where one of the bad guys is actually an embedded good guy. Like, 
It's great. It's it all is. great. It is. Like if you right now we're all looking for reads that are like kind of bonkers. Yeah, I know you and I are. This will work. Yeah, this will this will do it. She's also a really interesting character because she you know, there's no sense that she like thinks any of this is sexy, right? This is not. She's like, this is just a job. And it's like this small Texas town. And this is where I can get a job. So I'm going to go work there. And then what happens is like, then kind of nothing happens. She gets like whisked away after it all goes down. And she says, actually, he was there to save me or he did save me. I don't think she knows the extent of it. And then after he gets out, they run into each other in a convenience store. And then it is on. (laughs) And it is real hot. Like it goes from like zero to 100. And I just thought it was like a really, I don't know. It, like I said, it just really pushed all my buttons. But I really also like the sense that um, people, you like you really understood at that moment, especially when it's all like happening in the, you know, infirmary that she would like have this moment of like, this isn't what I signed up for. And yet this is where I am. And I just feel like right now that feels like probably a situation a lot of us are feeling. Mm-hmm. I think so. You know, um, when talking about in, uh, situations that you haven't signed up for, <laughs> um, it really doesn't get more, oh, I didn't sign up for this, than being a human doctor for a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? You like that segue? Oh, it was a delightful. <laughs> um, and I actually, while I, while I was just saying that, I was thinking of two books. One is um, Carolyn Sparks's How to Marry a Millionaire Vampire, <laughs> which is the first in her vampire series, which is not a doctor. Not a doctor. It's a dentist, a human dentist. But the conceit, the sort of the world building of this Carolyn Sparks series is that if it's a vampire, if a vampire loses a fang <laughs> and it's not I've repaired. I've totally read this. Not that it's not repaired within the first like 24 hours or overnight. Like he can't, he can't sleep with a lost fang. Like, so the fang has to be repaired before he goes to sleep and he loses this guy, loses a fang while like drinking from like a plastic, like a sort of a, a newfangled, like true blood style creation where like you can like insert your fang, like vampires can drink blood from a thing that's not a human and it's poorly made, like it's a prototype and it's poorly made and he loses a fang in this like prototype and then he has to find a dentist and it's midnight and, like, they have to go wake up a human dentist to fix his fang. I've totally read this. I was like, oh, that promise sounds amazing. I will say this. Talk about a bonkers plot. But also, like, Carolyn is so funny. If you're looking, if you like Shirley Lawrenston, for example, we've talked yeah. about Shelley before on the podcast. Um, a great read alike for her is someone like Carolyn, who is really one of the few people who's writing very funny paranormals um another can i just shout out i haven't read it in 10 years but when i first got my kindle i was gonna say that i think i know what you're about to say the demonica series by larissa ione i'm not sure if you're i'm saying that right but she has a whole series and i burned through these mfers i don't remember a single one of them but i was like oh where uh, a demon slayer essentially lands in a hospital run by demons in disguise and she falls in love, essentially. I love this. I fucking love this. Fall in love with the thing you can't have. You're a demon slayer falling in love with the demon. I mean, that's the only way. It's the only way to write that book. The only way. But wait, you have to get back to lover 
Jane Love and, Jane and Vicious. Vicious. Um, <laughs> so J.R. Ward, the book is called Lover Unbound. You think that. I swear to God, it's Lover Unleashed, but it's who knows? Not. I believe you. I'm looking at it. Okay. It's Lover, Jane and Vicious, but I'm pretty sure it's Lover Unbound. It's Black Dagger Brotherhood number five. And a lot, it's very controversial, this one. Because a lot of people don't like it because they feel like Butch and Vicious were set up to be a romantic couple. And then a punch got pulled and suddenly Butch and Vicious had to be head. Um, But, I mean, there are moments definitely where Butch and Vicious are like lying in bed together. So, I don't know. It's complicated. There's a lot going on. (laughs) I I think we're definitely like, it's a, they're fluid on the Kinsey scale is my point. But this in this particular this this is the book with the ghost doctor. <laughs> yes. Um, and I just sort of spoiled it because um, the heroine is a human at the beginning of the book and she's a surgeon and vicious, who is one of our Black Dagger brother, Brotherhood members. He's a vampire and he has a mortal wound um, <laughs> and he ends up having to be in the care of uh, Dr. Jane, who um, is. Like, they are super into each other right away. And also, this is actually one of my favorite J.R. Ward books. I'm causing trouble here saying this. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. It's totally my favorite. It's one of my very, very favorites because I like Vicious a lot. But also, everybody knows that my, like, pure kink is alpha submissive. And, like, this gets kinky like i think this is the first time i it's probably it's not kinky in 2020 what am i kidding who am i kidding because <laughs> yeah, my other one the next one i want to talk about is kinky in 2020 but this is um like there are these really awesome moments where he's like tie me up yeah and i think it was the first time i'd ever read the flip the alpha submissive flip and i was super duper into it and then of course things go south and there's a little bit of a, you know, romance reasons why the heroine doesn't die. Um, but then she becomes the doctor for the brothers. And I'm for it. I love that book, too. I think because I love Vicious. I like Jane a lot. I know that necess- people don't necessarily. I think uh, one of the things for me that really worked in that is it felt like she was a really um, she was his match where a lot of the earliest Black Dagger Brotherhood books, I felt like uh, they were protectors. So I sort of liked that feeling that they that she wasn't, um, you know, quite as uh, so submissive, I guess. Although for me, it wasn't in the bedroom. It was just like as a person. But my yeah, f- I loved it. I love Vicious. I my favorite is Lover, Rage and Mary, where he also gets chained up. And also there's sickness in that book, too. You didn't talk about that in your sickbed. In your sickbed book. I don't episode. know what the hell I was thinking. I, I know love that's that a one. good one. Oh, that's my a good God. One. Yes, that is a good one. Okay. Um. So, yeah. And then do you have others? I have one more. I have a real dirty one that I want to talk about. I think I have a couple I just wanted to, like, shout out. I wish I would have done it earlier when you were talking about historicals. I feel like uh, historicals are so interesting, but I feel like Tempest by Beverly Jenkins. Mm. Um, She is a mail order bride to the local doctor. And the irony, of course, is she shoots him at the beginning. (laughs) As per usual, Beverly Jenkins. Doing it right. Doing it right. Yeah. And I really love that book a lot, too, because it's about his part in the community. But I also feel like anytime you put a doctor in danger, that's always like a good one. 
Um, because again, it's that question of like, how do you heal someone you love? How do you heal yourself? Um, so that's just a good one I was thinking about for historical, but also a, a lot of historicals where, um, women are interested in doctoring or the idea of like nursing and taking care of people is also can be really appealing. And that's not necessarily what happens in this book, but I do feel like it it functions differently in historicals because in contemporaries, as I talked about, I think it's about like care and caring and like support and doing the right thing in Mm -hmm. historicals. It's also, it's about like striving. I want to do something Yep. People don't want me to do. And in this case, because um, the main characters are are black, he the fact that he's a doctor is also he's doing something he's not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. He's doing something white society does not want him to do, but is something mm-hmm. that his community needs from him. And so that's like another I think it has like a different thing in historical where it's like. I am going to be good at this and you cannot fucking stop me. Um, And I'm important. I'm an important and vital part of my community because I'm going to care for people in a way they will not be cared for maybe at all by white doctors and certainly not in the same way, which sadly is still true today. So I also just wanted to shout out Tempest. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a great book. I agree. I think all the historicals, I also really like that There are a lot of historicals that tackle women as physicians, women as doctors. Yeah. Um, uh, Like there's a recent Lisa Kleypas, Hello Stranger, where the heroine is the only female physician in England. Mm -hmm. Um, And like her hero is a detective from Scotland Yard and all sort of feels very current, like it feels very modern um, in a very cool way. And I, um, you know, I really like it. I like that in historicals, like, I I mean, we've talked before about how I really like science-y heroines. um, And so in historicals, because I feel like women were doing science-y stuff in historicals. Um, So, yeah. There's that. And then my other sort of name check is, of course, Ruby Lang. We've talked about Ruby before. You guys talked about Ruby on the um, sickbed episode. A couple weeks ago, yeah. Um, so I really, really love Acute Reactions, uh, which is the the setup is a hero uh, is allergic to his girlfriend's cat. <laughs> And he wants to move in with her and she won't give up her cat. And so he's going to an allergist (laughs) to get shots to not be allergic to the cat. And it turns out he falls in love with the allergist. Um, But she is like, we cannot do this. This is medical malpractice. (laughs) That whole series is yeah. so great. Yeah. I, I love the one where she is a doctor who treats the hockey guy for his concussion. Yeah. I talked uh, about this in my concussion. Um, uh, he, she's a neurologist. Hard knocks. Yeah. And then they essentially become like public sparring partners when she's like, what the fuck are we doing letting people play this sport? And he's like, that's my life and my livelihood. Yeah. Oh, it's so I good. I really like Ruby's books. That whole series is really delightful. It's called the Practice Perfect series. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, shout out to the Taboo crew. 
Because we're the acute reactions is like my very not taboo version of uh, don't fuck your doctor romances <laughs> that end up being like, OK, totally fuck your doctor romances, <laughs> um, oh, which I do not support. That is medical malpractice. Sure. It is not. It is. It's definitely it's on the Sierra, the, the Simone scale, like pretty deep into wrong. Oh, yeah. Even, right. Yeah. So um, but, you know, if you're into taboo, my last pick uh, well, there's a great Jenna Aston book called Wrong, where the heroine ends up like sleeping with her gynecologist that I'm not going to not say I didn't like. Um, and then there's a truly, truly disturbing Saffron Kent where the heroine ends up sleeping with the um, head of the psych ward in the institution that she is in. Um, that also I'm not going to say I didn't hate. <laughs> um, even though you do, it's just terrible, like super problem, super problematic. Adriana Herrera right now is in her apartment screaming. She's screaming at me. Don't do this in real life. Um, and then, but I picked, I'm just like, I, you're like, I'm going to stay very I'm all quiet. like, don't be mad at me, Adriana. I didn't do that one. I'm like, I saw my dermatologist this week. He's super hot. You guys, is that medical malpractice? If it's your dermatologist, I mean, where's the line? Adriana's writing in, she's writing a strongly worded letter. Here's Jen and Sarah right now. Jen's like the power of your community. Sarah's like, hot doctors. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all get through it the way we get through it, Jen. That's true. It takes all kinds. <laughs> but I want to shout out Nikki Sloan, who we've talked about before, but I really feel like I've never I never talk about enough because I think Nikki is one of the best erotica writers writing today, erotic romance writers writing today. She has a book called The Doctor, straight up The Doctor. Um, and I'm not going to get Name too, too, not, is this yeah. the one where it's his son's girlfriend? Yes. She's Look, it's hot ex, and I fucking read it. It's fine. She's his ex-boyfriend. Her, he is her ex-boyfriend's dad. <laughs> and when I say, and they're not like 30, they're like 22. And she's been dating her ex-boyfriend. She like they were call it. They were high school sweethearts. Like she knows this guy. Yeah. And then like, but they're both of in an age of majority. She breaks up with the ex-boyfriend, and the dad is like, "Why the fuck would you break up with this beautiful girl who was always so good to you?" And the boyfriend is a total dick. And the dad's like, "I don't know. I'm a hot doctor." <laughs> and the and the heroine's like, "He's a hot doctor." And then they do it all over his gorgeous house. Yeah. He's a surgeon. Um, not while the boyfriend is home. And then they get caught and it's all very dramatic. And then she gets sick and she's sent to the emergency room and he's the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You made them 22. I'm pretty sure she's a little younger. Is she younger? No, no. I mean, I think I'm so filthy. Don't read the books that I recommend to you. She's, I think it's clear they've graduated from high school. They're in college, but yeah, it's real filthy and real taboo, but we're telling people up in advance. It's fine. It was Here's my thing. You guys, yeah. you're all pervs. I know of all the books we just recommended. This is the one you're all going to buy. It's fine. <laughs> also, again, I feel like this is one of those like, well, is it really taboo? Like, it's more like the age and the dad thing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Is it the doctor thing? But then when she gets sick and it's he's the doctor in the surgery. You never know. You never know. For sure, it's the age and the, the yeah, dating your ex-boyfriend's dad, dad, for sure. You know, daddy. 
Fine. That's where we are now. Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> oh, shit. Jurgen Klopp. I would totally date him if he's my doctor. I don't care. Jurgen Klopp. Adriana, don't at me. Yes. <laughs> my God, daddy. Hello. Oh, I mean, Jurgen Klopp is like the stern daddy we all need right now. <laughs> that video of him being like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Put your hands away. <laughs> Put your hands away. You. <laughs> I was like, that's the sexiest thing any of us has seen in, in March 2020. And then that thread, we got to post that thread to show notes because it was perfect. Some comedian, this like brilliant comedian. Oh, yeah. Posted a whole thread of like, <laughs> like very domestic, tame fantasies of living and loving Jurgen Klopp. It's, you guys, I didn't know who Jurgen Klopp was until last week. He is the coach of the man, Liverpool. the coach or the manager of the Liverpool soccer team, football team for our UK visitors. This is why it's funny. My one of my brothers is a huge Liverpool fan. Mm-hmm. Like that's his team. He actually has. He and my other brother traveled to Europe last year and like went to a Liverpool game together. And it was like the highlight of my one brother's life. And I was so this is like I'm connecting with my brother. I was like, I now who know who Jurgen Klopp is because uh, he's a stern brunch daddy. And my brother was like, <laughs> you need to turn that off. Why? Because so, he's my brother is not into my romance things. So then did you I, send him that thread? No, I sent him one <laughs> you where should please send no. him that thread. Wait, is it Eric? It's oh, Eric. Am I not supposed to say his name? No, it's fine. You could say it's Eric. <laughs> Another Eric in our life. Oh my god, send it to him. I should hear it'll be like comic relief. <laughs> he follows me on Twitter. He probably saw me. Eric actually, speaking of being on the front line, works he lives in Columbus and works for the county. And so they are uh, doing anybody who is Working for any kind of public service or in government is doing a lot for us right now. And Jurgen Klopp supports you all. That's all you need to know. Jurgen Klopp yep. is here for you. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite. But there, I have a lot of things that I really love about that thread. But my favorite was if you if you had a baby with Jurgen Klopp, you could name it Clip. <laughs> You guys, I'm only here for Twitter to be soft, soft. right now. Soft Twitter. I can't, I can't. We're all scared and yeah. soft. Like clip clop is about <laughs> the level of delight that I'm looking for. Thanks, that's where you are. <laughs> I I'm not going to say anything about it yet because I'm not sure when I'll ramp up. But I am working on something for TikTok. That if it takes off, it'll be TikTok. really cool. I know you're I'm, like 40 years too old for TikTok. I know, but desperate times call for desperate <laughs> measures. And I'm trying to like make life awesome for my students. So if this thing I'm going to try and do gets off, um, like takes off, we'll talk about it at our next interstitial. Yeah. Well, what we should do is ask if any of our listeners are interested in being a part of it if they're ya authors they should dm me that's what yeah, you need to if know if you are a ya author uh and you want to help some kids in schools dm me and some moms at home yeah he's got some moms at home yeah right contact <laughs> me and i've got a thing i'm brewing i'm brewing up something amazing i Jen, think we haven't done this in a while but where can they dm you from well, JenReadsRomance.com is my website, but on Twitter, which is where I basically hang out all the time, I'm at JenReadsRomance. And I'm at Sarah McLean, and you can find me there. Um, and you can find a full list of more than 250 romance novels that I really like on my website at SarahMcLean.net. Just click Recommended on the main page, and it'll take you there. And I didn't write any of them. Um, but I do write books, and you might like those too. You would definitely like those. They're my favorites. Oh, that's so nice. 
Um, you can leave us a voicemail message uh, and tell us about your favorite romances of all time at 646 450 We are produced by Eric Mortensen. You can get pins from all, almost all of the episodes from Best Friend Kelly. Yeah, there's some new fun ones coming out. Yeah. JenReadsRomance.com. There's a Sarah pack now. Which I'm very excited about. Um, one of them is "Take the Finger," and the the little clip art on the tape that "Take the Finger" <laughs> button is perfection. <laughs> um, and also, you can support so support Kelly, a, a small business. Support my friend um, and partner Jordan Dene, Jordan D E N E dot com. She has a giant Sarah McLean slash romance. Uh, collection on her website of t-shirts and bags and mugs and laptop uh, cases. Support your local businesses. Support your local booksellers who are all closed up. Many of them are closed up and taking care of us um, and making sure we all stay safe. Um, But you can order online. A lot of them have waived shipping. Next week, Jen, what are we reading? Nobody's Baby But Mine. Mm -hmm. She's a doctor, a different kind of doctor, right? Yeah. A PhD, PhD doctor. She's like Doogie Hauser, though. She's PhD at the age of like 12. Yeah. Well. Oh, Doogie. <laughs> anyway. Take care of each other, everyone. Yeah. Don't fuck your doctor. <laughs> oh. No, we shouldn't end with that. That's not nice. It's serious. This is a serious time for serious people. No, honestly, thank you very much to doctors and nurses and EMTs and home health aides and people who are on the front lines. We are thinking of you. We are hoping that you are safe. Um, and don't think for one second that we don't appreciate you.